Welcome to the September 25th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Joshua chapter 8, verses 18 through 35, and the sermon is entitled, Lessons from AI, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. Delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. Take your Bibles, if you will, and go to Joshua chapter number 8 as we get into uh, the continuation of where we have been studying through the book of Joshua Joshua chapter 8, we looked uh, at the first 17 verses last week. And as we left off, uh, we left the city that was open. Now, I know some of you are saying, Jeffrey didn't ask us, did, he, did we come expecting something? How many of y'all are thinking that? How many of y'all came today expecting something? When we think about that, when we think about that, we look at a city of AI that was left empty. We, we see a city that is left empty and the, and the people of Ai have pursued Joshua and his little band of army in a trap. And I'm going to explain a little bit of that. But first, before I get into that, I want to ask you this. It's amazing the song selection, how God uses that. Uh, when I heard the song, The Eye of the Storm, and there are many even within this congregation that are, are facing what they would label a storm or a battle. Maybe today there's somebody watching, there's somebody here in the church that is feeling defeated. Maybe you've been defeated before and something has just left a bad taste in your mouth. Have you ever been there before? You've faced something and, and you've been through it and you've been defeated and it has left you bitter or upset or even angry as you think about your relationship with God. And many Christians today live with that attitude of defeat. Their heart is hurt. They are lost in a battle. And yet, instead of continuing to press on and continuing to keep their faith and look to God... They live in a place and an attitude of defeat. They feel sorry for themselves. They become angry. They become ungrateful. They call it bad luck. Or even Christians call it karma. Don't use those words. Because God has a plan for every life. Don't label your situation or the storm that you're in as something that God does not have control over because He does. Maybe today it's been physical or spiritual attacks, but we have seen through this study what happens when God gets a hold of His people. Maybe today you, like the people of Israel, just need to regroup and come before a holy God and say, God, I'll trust you here. We left AI in the middle of strategy, in the middle of a place where Joshua has laid 30,000 people in ambush. In the middle of the night, he has laid these 30,000 soldiers outside and surrounding the city. He's laid them in ambush, and he's told them, wait. You wait for the command. As Joshua puts another 5,000, he puts them in between the city of Ai and the city of Bethel just to protect their backsides in case Bethel decides to get involved in battle. And then Joshua leads a part of that army for himself. And he leads and wanting to lead the people, wanting to lead the soldiers of Ai to come after him. 
we think of that and that's where we left last week look at verse number 17 there was not a man left in Ai or in Bethel that went not out after Israel and they left the city open and pursued after Israel so those soldiers of Ai they are pursuing Joshua and his little band of army and in doing so they are getting ready to fall into a trap today as we look at this message, there are three lessons that I want you to see from the city of Ai that will teach us something about our faith walk. I want you to know as uh, we look, look at verses uh, 18 through 23, that's where we're going to start. And as we look there today, I pray that God uses His Word to speak to us. Verse number 18. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Stretch out the spear that is in thy hand toward Ai, for I will give it unto thine hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that he had in his hand toward the city. And the ambush arose quickly out of their place. And they ran as soon as he had stretched out his hand. And they entered into the city and took it and hasted and set the city on fire. And when the men of Ai looked behind them, they saw and behold, the smoke of the city ascended up to heaven. And they had no power to flee this way or that way. And the people that fled to the wilderness turned back upon the pursuers. And when Joshua and all of Israel saw the ambush had taken the city and that the smoke of the city ascended, then they turned again and slew the men of Ai. And the other uh, issued out of the city against them. So they were in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side, and they smote them so that they let none of them remain or escape. Verse number, 24, or verse number 23, And the king of Ai they took alive, and they brought him to Joshua. The first point that I want you to see out of the lessons of Ai today is this. There is victory in battle. Victory is obtainable in battle. When we think about a trap that has been set for the enemy... For the people of Ai, I want you to make sure that you understand this. It is not the trap of Joshua. It is not the trap of Israel. It is God's trap. God has trapped the enemy. Now, I, 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 I know that we always want to look to win every battle. But listen, folks. Reality is this. We will not win every battle. You're not going to win every battle. And if I would have quit at the first battle I lost, I would have quit as a teenager. But the idea is that we keep our eyes on the one who leads us to victory, and that is Jesus Christ himself. No man, no doctor, no family member, no important person in your life can lead you to the victory that you need. It must be when you keep your eyes upon Jesus Christ. We think about the people of Israel. The first battle of Ai, it contained their plans. It contained their way. It contained their own sins. It got in the way of what God was doing. And guess what? God judged them for that. And in a new arm, I mean, in a new battle, guess what? As they come against Ai, they have their eyes all on the Lord and they follow the exact plan that God calls them for 
Joshua, in the first verse, in verse number 18, he has a spear in his hand and he stretches out that toward the city of Ai just as God told him to. We remember back in the Old Testament, Moses, what did Moses have in his hand? Moses had a rod. And God used that rod in Moses' hand because he was a shepherd, but he turned it into a serpent. He lifted that rod as they crossed the Red Sea, as it was parted. He used that rod to strike a rock in Exodus that brought forth water, but he also used that rod to strike a rock in Numbers in disobedience to God. Moses had a rod. Joshua has a spear. Why does God do that? Well, because Joshua, of all people, took that spear of a warrior, of a commander, of a military leader, of a conqueror, and he stretched it toward that which God asked him to conquer. Friends, I don't want to get off my notes today, but I'm going to say this. Jesus Christ came the first time as the gentle shepherd. He is coming again in righteous judgment. And it will not be with a shepherd's hook in his hand. He is coming in judgment of the world. And friends, I want you to know that Joshua is in Old Testament Jesus. As he stretches forth that spear toward Ai, one day Jesus Christ will stretch forth his hand to this world and it will be nothing but destruction. For the one who does not believe in God, you will be destroyed just as the city of Ai. Well, Jeffrey, I thought you were talking about a victory in battle. That's exactly where I'm going. As the plan works, Joshua takes and they lead those people out of the city of Ai. And as we work through the scripture there in verse number 20, the men of Ai looked behind them. They saw and behold the smoke of the city ascended into heaven. As that spear was stretched forth, that was the cue for the 30,000 in waiting. That spear was the cue. And as he reached that spear toward the city of Ai, the 30,000 rose up and they took over the city. Meanwhile, all the warriors of, of Ai are still pursuing toward Joshua. Joshua's standing there. And those men realize something's not right. They have quit. They have quit running from us. As they turn back, they see the smoke of their own city. As it is overtaken, as they realize they are in a trap. Look at verse number 21. It says, Joshua and all of Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that the smoke of the city ascended. Then they turned again and slew the men of Ai. And the other issued out of the city against them. So they were in the midst of Israel. So now Ai is caught in the middle of the ambush just like God has planned. I want you to know as we think about this plan, it's amazing how God works. Remember the people's plan, just send 3,000 and it will be taken care of. God's plan is send 30,000 and I will take care of it. And I will take care of it. Verse number 23. And the king of Ai they took alive and brought him to Joshua. The only one left alive as of now in scripture is this. One person out of the city of Ai and that is its king. Before we move on, where's the victory? 
Where's the victory there? Well, here's the victory for the Israelites. As they were obedient to God, they followed step by step his plan. They defeated a city that had defeated them. That left them running, that left them fearful, and that left them questioning, what did we do wrong? Has anybody ever asked themselves that question? What did I do wrong, God, to deserve this? Anybody? What did I do wrong? And as they come back to God, God gives them the victory in a place where they had been defeated. Let's move on in Scripture. Verse number 24 through 29. And it came to pass, when Israel had made an end of slaying all the inhabitants of Ai in the field, that in the wilderness wherein they chased them, and when they were all fallen on the edge of the sword until they were consumed, that all the Israelites returned to Ai and smote it with the edge of the sword. And so it was that all that fell that day, both of men and women, were 12,000, even all the men of Ai. For Joshua drew not his hand back, wherewith he stretched out the spear, until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Only the cattle and the spoil of that city Israel took for prey unto themselves, according to the word of the Lord, which he commanded Joshua. And Joshua burnt Ai and made it a heap forever, even a desolation unto this day. And the king of Ai, he hanged on a tree until eventide. And as soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded that they should take his carcass down from the tree and cast it at the entering of the gate of the city and raise thereon a great heap of stones that remaineth until this day. The point, the second point that I want to give you that AI teaches us today is this. There is victory over sin. There is victory over sin. The Bible speaks very plainly to us in the New Testament that sin has a price for every person. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. We understand that verse, that sin brings about death. But to Israel, here's what sin looked like. It looked like losing 36 of their own men in the first battle. For Achan and his family, sin meant losing their lives for taking the spoils of Jericho and hiding them. And now, for the city of Ai, the entire army and the entire city has been wiped out. And as Israel's army returns to that city, everybody is destroyed. Everybody. These passages are tough. They're tough to preach. They're tough to encourage people with. But they bring about questions from an outside world that say, why would a loving God do such a thing like this? God loves everyone. Why would he destroy absolutely everyone? And here's the answer. Because that's what God told him to do. Deuteronomy chapter number 9. Verse number 5 says this, Not for thy righteousness or for the uprightness of thine heart dost thou go to possess their land. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. 
and that he may perform the word which the Lord swear unto thy fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This calls the land, this verse calls the land of Canaan a very wicked place. And this verse serves as protection and the compromise uh, for, for the people of Israel. So they do not compromise with this nation. So God's way of dealing with compromise and conforming to the way of the enemy is to wipe them out, to take them away. The wicked people, God instructs an army of Israel to destroy the entire city of Ai. Verse number 26. I love this verse. The whole time of battle, the whole time that this army was storming them, Joshua never, ever, ever let that spear down. He didn't use it. He didn't use it in battle. He just held it up toward the city just as God had asked him to. And as he held that spear, it meant destruction for that city. Victory over sin comes, Christians, listen to me, when you do not compromise. That's the lesson here. When we will not compromise with what God asks us to do, with, what, with God's truth and bringing sin to light, we, we, we cannot compromise. Once the church starts to compromise, you let sin in the door. Just as AI let sin in the city when they compromise. We go to our world with love, but we do not and we will not compromise. The word of God. Verse number 27. It says this. Only the cattle and the spoil of that city Israel took for a prey unto themselves according to the word of the Lord which he commanded Joshua. God has given them permission to take the spoils of war, of AI, or anything of value they could take. And then they set the city on fire again. In verse number 29, as that king is captured earlier, he is now killed and hung on a tree outside of the gate of the city and after, he, uh, after the sun goes down, they put his body at the city gates. They pile rocks on it to show the people to be a, a, a remembrance of what God will do. Today, I want you to know that there's a memorial as we read about in AI of a city that compromised. And that city now lays in destruction. It's wiped out. There's no life there. Church, I think this is a strong warning of what happens when people compromise. That it doesn't mean you can't love. It doesn't mean that you can't go out. It doesn't mean you can't have certain friends. It means we cannot compromise. Take this as a stern warning from God that we cannot compromise. The price of sin is set high. That it cost a city, an entire city, their lives. And it cost a king hanging on a tree as a remembrance of what God will do. But listen, there is another king that hung from a tree that should show you and I the price of sin. And it is Jesus Christ, our Lord, that was hung on a tree and that reminds us day in and day out that sin has a cost. That cost, praise the Lord, 
that I don't have to pay with my own life. That God Almighty sent His Son some 2,000 years ago and hung on a tree. And there's a, a verse of Scripture in the book of Galatians chapter 3 I want to read to you. Genesis, uh, excuse me, Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 says this. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Praise be to God that He took my curse, the curse of sin, and gave me victory. That comes through faith in Christ. And today I want to make a plea. I'm not here to beg, I'm not here to twist your arm, but I want to make a plea with your heart. If you are here and you've never given your heart, your life to a Savior that gave His life for you, today is the day that that needs to happen. It will give you a victory over sin. Praise God for that victory. Well, the story's not over yet. Let's finish out the chapter, chapter number 8 of Joshua. Verse number 30. And Joshua built an altar unto the Lord, the God, Lord God of Israel, and to Mount a ball. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones, over which no man hath lifted up any iron. And they offered thereon burnt offerings unto the Lord, and sacrificed peace offerings. And he wrote uh, there upon the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he wrote in the presence of the children of Israel. And all Israel and their elders and officers and their judges stood on this side, the ark, and on that side before the priest, the, the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, as well as the stranger, as he was born among them, half of them over against Mount Gerizim, and half of them over against Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel, with the women and the little ones and the strangers that were conversant among them. We close the chapter number 8 today with the third point in this. Victory comes from the Lord. Victory comes from the Lord. God doesn't need any single solitary one of us. God doesn't need us. When I think about struggles and faith, there's a man in this congregation that as long as I've known him, he is here today, as long as I've known him, he's faced a battle. And he's fought that battle every single day, day by day, year by year. He still fights that battle today. But he's fought it with as much faith as I've seen anybody fight. The victory not, is, does not come from a doctor. The victory is not in his own strength. The victory comes from the Lord. And I know that is his heart. And there are many others within this church that fight those battles. Every single day, 
It may not look like you're, you're in the middle of one, but I know that we dress up battles very well within the church. But where does your victory come from? Friends, victory is not in a pill or in a doctor or in your own doing. Victory is in the Lord. And so church today, I want to remind you, as Israel wraps up with the city of Ai, guess what? It's time to move on. They go 30 miles north to the city of Shechem. It is a natural amphitheater there. And there are two mountains that are mentioned in our scripture, Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. Those two mountains now serve as a place of worship. They move from the battlefield now to worship. And as they take this track north, they will continue to do business with God as they seek out His direction in this place. In verse, uh, verses number 30 and 31, you see that they set up a natural altar. I want you to see these verses as uh, verse number 30 and 31. Uh, I'm going to reread them real quick. It says, Joshua built an altar. And verse number 31 is where I want to center. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones, listen to this, over which no man had lift up any iron. As they make that altar, here's what God says, you don't touch those stones. You use natural stones, you build me an altar, and that's where you will worship. I don't want your influence. I don't want your touch. I don't want your man-made influence on anything. You just come worship me. How much of our church needs to hear that today? Some of the most beautiful structures in all the world are churches. And I know many of church buildings today that are beautiful and that are man-made on the outside. And yet they do not serve their purpose today. Why? Why? Because people forgot about God. People have forgotten about God. Friends, I don't want 40 years down the road people to drive by on Fletcher's level and look at an empty church building. Today, men and women, boys and girls need to come to an altar before God and say, God, here I am. I know you don't need my hands. I know you don't need me at all. But here I am. I want you to use me. I want you to flow through me. I want you to use my family. I want to make a difference. I want to tell people about Jesus. But I don't want it to be about myself. Lord, let me keep my hands off of what you want. Today, is there anybody in this church that wants to say that? That really means it? that may even come at the invitation and, and bow down before God and say, God, let me keep my hands off of what you want done. Just let me be obedient. Let me worship you. Let me get a glimpse of your glory, of what you're going to do. That's the first thing that they do. The second thing that they do in verse number 32 is they begin to rewrite the law on plaster, on stones. 
If you want to go back, I'm not going to go there now just for time's sake. I want you to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 27 and 28 if you feel, feel like studying this evening or tomorrow or this week. But I want you to see uh, what God is commanding them to do. They are fulfilling what God commanded back in the book of Deuteronomy. But as they take those plaster stones, they cover those stones in plaster, and I want you to remember this. They, write out the, they begin to write out the commandments of God. What would happen, what would happen with our own hand if we began to write out the word of God? God implants it in their hearts and their minds. I hated school. One of, the, one of the things about school that I hated, punishment for Jeffrey is making him sit in a chair and sit still. But also punishment for Jeffrey is to make him write the same thing over and over and over. That was punishment. But don't you know that that's how I learned best when it came to a spelling test? I would write those words out over and over. Here's what I want you to, want you to see, church. As, as the nation of Israel writes down God's law, they're not putting it just on stones. They're putting it in their head, and they're putting it in their heart. So they remember what God has done. The third thing that they've done in verse number 34 and, and 35 is they began to read the law. Hey, listen, the law was important then. Reading your Bibles today is important. You can never get too much of it. And I love the last part of uh, uh, the last verse of verse number 35. It says, There was not a word of all that Moses commanded which Joshua read not before the congregation. Joshua, the servant leader, he has led them in battle. He has held the spear high. And now he takes the word of God. And he's on a different battlefield. And he begins to read to the people who need the word. I want you to see a powerful servant leader not missing a word of what God commanded them to do. Friends, it's important for you to read it. And it's important for me to read it, to put it in our minds and hearts. Joshua, the spiritual leader of the day. Proverbs chapter 3 reminds us to write on the tablets of our heart. Proverbs 3, 3, write that down. Put it on the tablet of your heart. Maybe today there's a verse that you need to write on your heart that will help you achieve the victory through Jesus Christ uh, through a difficult situation. After all this in the book of Deuteronomy, as they began to read the cursings and the blessings, that's what they do on the mountain. They divide the nation of Israel. Six of, them, uh, six, uh, of the camps go into one mountain, six on the other mountain, and they begin to read the blessings and cursings from God. And after everyone, after everyone, the people would shout, Amen. In agreement. In agreement. With the law of God. You can go back to Deuteronomy chapter 27 and you can see that. Today, as we wind up this service, I want to ask you this. As we see a people moving on from a city and from a sin that had plagued them, we see a place where they really get serious about God. Every day wasn't a battle, this day was about worship. As I choose to bring this message to a close, they were reading about blessings and cursings. 
And here's, here's the, the, the way that I want to offer this invitation to you today. Some 3,400 years later, you and I are God's people. We sit in a beautiful sanctuary. We got the air condition turned up today. It feels nice in here. We got beautiful lights, beautiful stained glasses. But here's the question of the day. As you walk out of these doors, are you going to be a, a blessing to the name of God? Are you going to be cursed? A curse to the name of God? Are you going to be a blessing? Are you going to be a curse to what God wants you to do? Are you going to be a blessing or a curse and be an obedient and to what God commands? As God's word teaches us about victory, I want you to understand defeat comes when we are disobedient before God. In a moment of invitation, I hope today that you understand that in every battle there is a plan. There is a plan that God has. That in every sin there is a plan that God made a way. And it cost life and blood was shed, but sin was destroyed by a Savior, Jesus Christ. Ultimately today, this invitation is for that one who needs to say yes to Jesus for the first time. But maybe today you're in a battle and you just want to come and you want to kneel and you just say, God, I'm going to give you this battle. Thank you for leading me through this battle. Just as the people of Israel had to take that moment before God and worship, maybe you will do that in a very public way. Maybe today you will come and say, God, I'm right smack dab in the middle and I don't know what to do. I've lost my hope. I've lost direction. God, will you help me? I know that today I'll be the only pastor here. But somebody more important will meet you at this altar if you come. I believe that God Almighty will meet you. And will take over that battle if you will give it. Today, church, victory over sin. Victory over death. Victory in the battle. I believe that victory solely comes through Christ our Lord. And I want to praise Him for that today. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, as we open up this moment of invitation before Your people, Lord, we're no different than a nation some 3,400 years ago. Lord, we're a people that are searching. We're a people that face battle. We are a people that look to a God that leads us. Lord, today, if there are hearts, if there are lives in this room, if there are battles that are being fought, that are covered up really well, God, peel off the layers, I pray. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit will begin to work on hearts that just need to say yes. God, take it over. They need to say yes, God, I give it to you. I trust you to lead me in this battle. Maybe there's somebody that's been defeated. It has that bad taste. God, I pray, Lord, that you will minister to that heart right now. Lord, for the one who needs you as Savior for the very first time, I pray that they understand and know that Jesus Christ went to an old cruel cross in their place, that he took the payment of their sin, and through that, Lord, he gives us victory. Lord, today, I pray that you work in the lives of your people as we continue to worship you now at this altar of invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.